On this episode, we discuss Chappie. Charles Chappielin, the silent comedian. Robots. <laughs> <laughs> everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy i'm Stuart wellington and i'm elliot kalen of the flop house is hosted by us Stuart, elliot and dan in the three flopsketeers the flop house <laughs> that's a colon <laughs> uh, did what? you get it checked out? Because yeah. you should get those checked regularly by your doctor. Yeah, the older I get, the more I check out my colons, my semicolons. <laughs> oh, now I just imagine you with you with the hand mirror checking your own colons. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sure. hey, looking good. <laughs> looking good. <laughs> Haven't shaved in a while, I guess. Okay. All right, well. Too far. <laughs> His face. Oh. <laughs> so this isn't a colonoscopy podcast. This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Thanks for keeping us on track, Stuart. <laughs> I appreciate that. And Dan, uh, as if we didn't announce it earlier, what movie did we watch this week? Uh, we watched a movie called Chappie. Chappie. Chap. E. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the sequel to Wally. It's Wally's yeah. friend. Uh-huh. Uh, it is about a robot, though. Or, yeah. as old person would say, robot. A droid. An android. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a synthetic humanoid. Mm-hmm. A people machine. <laughs> yep. A, a replicant. A manasizer. Oh, really. A clicker. Yeah. A botsko. <laughs> botsko? <laughs> yep. That's what they call him. An electroman. A metal dude. <laughs> metal dude solid. <laughs> That's the lazy version of Metal Gear, metal gear Solid where he just kind of hangs out. Solid Snake, your mission. Finish these Doritos. <laughs> All right. Thanks, big boss. <laughs> so... This is some kind of can man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Yeah, he's a man made out of cans. Named uh, Chapo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so why did we watch this movie, guys? Was it a huge success? It was no. not that. <laughs> it was not a huge success. It was, it's made by Neil Blomkamp. Who, everybody likes District 9. Everybody does. Yeah. I didn't see. You find a kid on the street and ask him. Hey, do you like District, District 9? 9? They're like, shit, yeah, I do. I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Get fuck off, dude. What are you asking me about District 9 for? I'm like nine years old. District 9 rules, homework drools. Maybe skateboards off. He's nine years old. Get out of my way before I use the slingshot in my back pocket. Hand me that go gurt so I can be on my way, dude. Throws a dinosaur shaped chicken nugget at you. I don't have time for regular yogurt. My yogurt has to be on the go. In, this, in today's busy workaday children's world, you don't have time to sit and eat yogurt. Put it in a tube and then suck it down while you're riding your trike. Squeeze it in your face. Yep. Sometimes life can be a real brat race. Because it's a kid and he's a bratty, bratty kid. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Not a, bra- not a brat race. Oh, they, yeah, I thought you meant like at the at the stadium when those big hot dogs <laughs> yep. race each that, other. Yeah, the old stadium. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing medieval about it. <laughs> uh, 
So Chappie, yeah, Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp. We like people like District Nine. I didn't say see Elysium. I know Stuart is not a fan. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was okay. It uh, it had its moments. It had its moments. All the action scenes are shot really like awkwardly. It's like a mix of slow mo and over stylized stuff. It has the worst Jodie Foster performance. Mm-hmm. If you were wondering, which it, is yeah, Jody if you're ranking, if you're yeah. ranking them, yeah, worse well, than Nell. Worse than Nell. I would say worse than Nell. <laughs> worse than Freaky Friday, or was it Wacky Wednesday? Uh, Which of those days did she switch? Freaky them Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it was Manic Monday. It was Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> apparently her uh, her cin- right. cinema cinemography cinema- cinemography. cinemography. Yeah, her cinemography <laughs> is basically a, child a restaurant is schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thirsty Thursday is where she switches with Haley Haley Mills, uh, so she can drink. <laughs> It turns out her mom was just an alcoholic. <laughs> sure. And, and then there was surprisingly sane Saturday. Yeah. And of course, Sacred Sunday. Mm-hmm. Where they switch minds, but it doesn't matter because they're in church all day. Oh. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> they're all trapped there? or Yeah, yeah. It's just like at the end of uh, The Exterminating Angel. Spoiler alert. They don't get out of the church. <laughs> okay. So, so, but this is his, has, did he make just three movies or has he made other movies? He's making the new Alien movie too, Yeah, right? so District 9 kind of came out of nowhere. It was, it was like a, I think it was initially pitched as like a like a Halo test movie huh. or something like that. Um, and everybody kind of went nuts for it because it was like a, like a harsh and gritty take on sci-fi. I don't and know if I'd very, say hard sci-fi. Uh, I would not say hard sci-fi. No, not but at all. except that you could say it's hard sci-fi and that it is taking a believable situation that the alien refugees land on Earth and spinning out the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. It's not some kind of super crazy science that could never exist. Are you saying that if I had an electro gun, I couldn't just make people explode <laughs> like giant watermelon bags? Now that is less hard <laughs> sci-fi. But I think what got people a lot was also the extreme sense of place. Like South Africa was not a place people had thought of as a setting for science fiction. Yeah. And the, it played off of South Africa's own racial divide and mm-hmm. bad race history. But also that movie had an interesting uh, sense of tone in that like it was kind of this documentary style where like but but it was a goofy comedy to some degree like uh, it was a mix of comedy and things. Of, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it goofy, a bunch of people dying. Yeah, but like Shelter Copley's character like turning slowly, like he's like this like priggish character turning slowly into an alien and there was a lot of zany sort of comedy that went and kind of turning that. into a hero like yeah. a character who is very unlikable to begin with yeah and this movie also has uh, i would say a strange mix of tones a very strange mix of tones unsuccessful version sure of it's a science and i'm fiction. not just talking about the music because it's made up of tones which <laughs> yeah as music all music is a series is. of tones they're, they're, <laughs> the i think like tony 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 here he decided he said let me go back to my south african roots I'm going to make another science fiction movie about a problem in South Africa, which I guess is crime and the police presence. And but I'm going to do it robots in a. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the robot rabbit problem. robots, <laughs> but uh, running rabbits round the rabbit. <laughs> Rogue robots ran round the rocks. The rugged robot rides. Radical. <laughs> Rated R for alliteration, which is against the law 
in the future. The year is 2047, <laughs> and all alliteration has been deemed a thought crime. <laughs> but Th- Thursdays are no longer thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> but the good grouping of grammar gang... <laughs> Has the case, an underground rebel pirate group dedicated to words that start with the same letter placed next to each other. Can they survive? No. Must they survive? Yes. Starring Mandy Moore. (laughs) As Mandy Patinkin. I like how this is the least dystopian future ever. (laughs) So you can't put words that sound sort of like each other next to each other. Maybe the battleship potential thinks you can. (laughs) It really dooms any Fantastic Four reboots. That's true. I mean, they're already doomed. But uh, the... Doctor doomed. (laughs) Now you're talking... That's another alliteration for you. Yeah, we're all... Look, we're all going to be arrested by the grammar police. (laughs) (laughs) So the... uh, so this is, it's another South African set movie, and yet here it's decided that it's going to be much harsher in some ways and also attempting to be sweeter in others, and much of the character work is going to be on the shoulders of uh, South African kind of like uh, trash Zef rap group, the uh, Antwort or whatever however it's pronounced. Uh, and what is Zef? Zef is—I was only know this because I was looking it up in between watching the movie and reading and okay. recording this. Mm-hmm. Zef is a cultural movement in South Africa, which is an attempt to kind of make a style out of things associated with the white lower middle class. Uh, people, the word Zef comes apparently from a—it's uh, it's a short name of a model of car that was very popular among white South Africans who didn't have a lot of money, who were better off than black South Africans at the time because apartheid was still in effect mm-hmm. during this time, which is like the 70s and 80s. But the, this is a kind of a way to reclaim, I guess, that feeling of being lower class, but being a, I mean, I don't know the, the, all the dynamics. Sure, you're not an expert on Zef shit. I am not. When you say Zef to me, I say <clears throat> that sounds like somebody's alien sidekick in a cartoon from the 80s in which they take characters from a popular sitcom and put them in space. <laughs> so, like, Family Ties, the space cartoon, like, mm-hmm. uh, Michael J. Fox's sidekick would be, like, Zeph, the talking, like, party alien who eats pizza all the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Space pizza with moon dust and, I don't know, <laughs> uh, salami on it. <laughs> <laughs> Really gave up on the space theme. I don't know, it's like Astro Salami or something from a meteor. <laughs> what, what do you want from me? I don't know, it's made out of like, it's made out of like Venusian pork. I don't yeah, know. I don't know, a bunch of tribbles. <laughs> Tribble sausage probably tastes pretty good. Yeah. It wants to get all the hair off. Mm-hmm. When you shave a tribble, what's underneath? That's, oh, that's the question. I'm sure somebody can write. Just, somebody can write an email. Is it not. like? Is it like just this pink bag of flesh and goo? Or <laughs> yeah, you do not. Don't even. I imagine if you shave a triple, it's just a big testicle, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah, that was. It was originally called the trouble with testicles. <laughs> <laughs> it was and it was less about how, te- how the, they multiplied and more about how you just you just don't want them to get kicked. <laughs> it was a, it's a, a short episode. A yeah. brief uh, Rochambeau uh, craze that hit the Enterprise. <laughs> and all the guys were walking around covering their junk all the time because they were worried about it. And Spock was like, it is illogical to hit another man in the testicles. 
But then he got really into and it. McCoy's like, oh, you blue-blooded, you green-blooded Vulcan, you don't understand. And it's then, hilarious. But then, <laughs> <laughs> it's a way that we all, as men, we bond. Of course. We hurt each other. Then Spock entered Ball Far, which is the once every seven years period when a Vulcan wants to hit other guys in the nuts. It is very volatile. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's maybe. I feel bad I can't remember what kind of blood a Vulcan has, guys. I feel bad. Uh, you can look it up. Just pause the podcast. All right. <laughs> look it up on Trekopedia. So, I, so explain explain the internet to me. Stuart. Okay, so you just pause the podcast. Uh-huh. You're still not doing that. Okay. Okay, well, I'll just keep going. So you uh, pull up your help menu. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and you type in, find me, uh, find me Vulcan blood. <laughs> And then what do you do? Uh, and then you go down the color uh, spectrum that they provide you, and you pick the one that you think looks most like the color you remember as the color of Vulcan blood. It's pretty simple. But then what do you do with Wait, that color? Why, why do you, if you're asking the question, why do you have to guess? Why do you provide the answer? It's going to provide a somewhat limited spectrum. <laughs> like, come on. It's not like it's so a computer. So this is like it's the Socratic God. internet. It's like, yeah. what color do you think Vulcan blood is? So should we talk about this movie? Probably. So let's address. So, I think there's an elephant in the room. Guys. <laughs> Get it out of here! Wow, it's really taking a big dump. <laughs> and the elephant's name is Short Circuit and RoboCop. Now, yeah, if ever there was a movie that is a smashing together of Short Circuit and RoboCop with a heavy helping of South African rap, this mm-hmm. is that movie. Yeah. Uh, so it begins, and we're like, how is this not the remake to RoboCop? Didn't we already watch that? Beca- yeah, because so South Africa is facing a huge crime wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer to it, robot policemen. But these robot policemen don't have their minds of their own. They operate off of human operators who wear neural helmets. Okay. Yeah. I was never, and there's also like a guardian chip that controls them. I was never totally sure of what the control system was for these robots. Partly because they move through it pretty fast at the beginning. Partly because everyone has South African accents, and those are mm-hmm. not always easy to understand. Which is why it's weird that the one character in the movie that I felt had a pretty straightforward accent is subtitled, and he's this evil crime boss who looks like Zangief. But we'll get to that. <laughs> Kinda. He's he's no. I he's, think you're doing Zangief a disservice. <laughs> Uh, well, he looks like someone who wants to be Zangief pretty badly. He, he looks like a professional wrestler character. Yes, yeah. Uh, so they've made these robots called Scouts that look like they have bunny ears, and they walk around. They and, look like the robot from Appleseed. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've got a very... It looks like a bunny. I mean, I think that's his name means bunny in ancient Greek. Orarios or something? You n- remember way more about Appleseed <laughs> than I do. I remember, I get it so mixed up with all the other, like, robot anime Manga stories. Mm-hmm. It's hard for hard for me to separate that from like Ghost in the Shell or uh, Go on. What's the Dominion one? Tank Police, Armitage, that kind of stuff. Mac- you know? Macross, Macross. Uh, Come on, Dan, you can Robotech, play too. Dirty Pair, Dirty Pair. That's not a robot. Gold Gold Thirteen. <laughs> no, that's not one either. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, you Rick know, City, etc. Robotron. At least say like Kozuro Okami. At least say like Robot Carnival. Z- Z- Zoom Zoom guy. Wow, Aww, Dan. Dan's trying so hard. What this is telling me is Dan did not see any of the three animes that everyone who was like thirteen in the nineteen nineties saw, which uh-huh. were Akira, sure, 
Vampire Hunter D. Okay. And Robot Carnival. Because oh, really? Ghost in the Shell? Not yeah. Ghost in the Shell. Not because Ninja Scroll? This is pre-Ghost in the Shell, pre-Ninja Scroll. Whoa. There was a time when you either saw Akira because you heard about it and it sounded awesome, mm-hmm. or you were watching TBS late at night, and they would show Vampire Hunter D and Robot Carnival all the time. I don't think I ever saw Robot Carnival. Oh, what's, really? What's the selling point? It's a series of short cartoons about robots. Oh, it's not a carnival run by robots? I wish. It's like big Wrong top from town to town. It's like big top peewee, but they're robots. Rifting it's called big bot peewee. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the the robots nobody trusts. There's yeah. the bearded robot, the fat robot, the strongman robot, robot who gets shot out of a cannon. Michael Bay is writing all these ideas down. I guess I'm thinking more of a circus sideshow than a carnival. Yeah, I mean a carnival robot's mostly big just like tumblers. Hey, shoot your robot. Oil into these uh, <laughs> balloons. <laughs> these uh, are you describing a robot condom, Dan? <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about the movie. Let's not go any further into this horrifying, <laughs> this horrifying Tetsuo body hammer world horrifying that we just entered. Or erotic. <laughs> I'm going to go with horrifying. There's a very thin line between horrifying and erotic, but I don't want to cross it. So uh, they have these robots. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. creator, Dev Patel. Okay. Was it Dev Patel? Yep. Yeah. Who works for Sigourney Weaver. Who's TV's newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> he plays N.W. Oozroom. He plays Nathaniel Edward Wilson Stephen Room. Yeah. <laughs> the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he works for Sigourney Weaver for a robot company. And at the same time, he- and for a robot company, they have a really shitty office. It's like the most pedestrian office building. It's very open space in that only Sigourney Weaver has her own office. But that's what tech companies do. It's all about the moments you can't predict where interactions lead to ideas. Welcome to Kalen Core. Oh wow. This Kaelin is what you've Kor, been doing uh, in your free time lately. <laughs> I've been putting together Kalen Core, a 22nd century technology company. Okay. We don't have offices. We don't even have workers. There's just me. Give me money. <laughs> <laughs> together, I'm putting together the technology of the future. And because it's the technology of the future, don't expect it anytime soon. But still, money, please. <laughs> Mail it to Elliot Kalen, care of Kalencore, uh 123 Fake Street, New York, New York, Anytown, USA, okay. dot com. dial nine now uh hugh jackman on the other hand has a competing program called moose which is one big robo mech type uh yeah it's like a like a battle tech it's like a big ed 209 battle tech thingamabob Mm -hmm. uh that has as we find out later a big gun and then also a big cutting arm for chopping people in half (laughs) Uh, but he's mad because the scout program is taking away the need for his moose program which to be fair is ill thought out he's trying to sell it to the south african police the johannesburg police who are very happy with the scout program Mm because it's led to this huge drop in crime uh, by explaining how it can shoot enemy aircraft out of the sky, yep. which seems like not a problem that the police need to deal with. And the policeman, very reasonably, points mm-hmm. this out. It does not make Hugh Jackman happy. Now, Hugh Jackman's character is one of the more interesting ones in that he's this collection of character, tra- character traits that include always walking around with a gun on his hip, even he's in got, the office. He's got a hockey haircut. He has an extreme hockey haircut, and he is also surprisingly religious mm-hmm. and crosses himself at least once in the movie. And he wears some great shorts. He, I think, I think he basically like went to a couple rugby bars and based his character around people he saw in those bars. Imagine, Which is totally acceptable. Yeah. Imagine the worst length of short. 
You know, like <laughs> the, the leg length that you would not want on a short, and that's what he has. So wait, you mean they're really short, or they're too long? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Are they like adult shorts? They like they like hit. Are ex- they like Kevin Smith short pants? They like <laughs> <laughs> should he be wearing old style knickers instead of socks? I'm just saying they hit exactly at the knee. They, they're not like above their <laughs> knee. They're not sounds below like the, knee. the perfect length for shorts. I don't <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly right at the knee. Now yeah, the, it gives you fifty percent of the pant that you were hoping for. Yeah. Now never in this. Can you by the way, I just think I you know we're, we barely talked about the movie. <laughs> can we stop talking about the movie for a second? And let's talk about shorts think, some more. I think explaining a hockey haircut. It bears a little. Okay, explain. How is it different than a mullet? Explain. Um, it's like a mullet, only it's more slicked down to the head. Yeah, it's, it looks like the sort of thing that would perfectly fit a like if you were <laughs> to put on a hockey helmet and then just cut all the extraneous hair and let yeah. everything else grow exactly to fit that helmet. That's a hockey hair. And it, also, his hair looks not so much like he's gotten like blonde highlights as like someone maybe just peed on his hair. <laughs> <laughs> So that's 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 his hair. It's an acting choice. (laughs) Yeah, it's an acting choice. This character is a golden shower fetishist. (laughs) Never comes up in the film, but they tell you you show your character should always have a secret Mm -hmm. that you bring to set, and nobody knows but you. And his is the golden shower thing. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, Dev Patel has a new idea for a project. It's a totally fully functioning uh, AI that does not need a human interface to work. He pitch, he's very close to it. He's working on it in his spare time at night with his butler robot, who has mm-hmm. a, seems pretty AI-ish. But. Yeah, I mean, it's basically uh, like a crappy robot glued onto a Roomba. Yeah, and it operates like Polly's butler robot. And I think we get like, like in one, Rocky we get one laugh out of it. What when would he that breaks be? a bunch of shit and it goes to like sweep it, it up. It goes mess mess and then goes to sweep <laughs> yeah. it up. Uh, but he's working all night. He has one of those computer programs people in movies have, and maybe they do in real life, where you've, you're have you building a program that's never existed before, but you have another program that tells you when it works at 100% completion. Mm-hmm. So because somehow, maybe you can do that in computers, that you can test a thing that has never existed before. But uh, he brings this to Sigourney Weaver, and he says, this is a robot that could, criti- that could critique art, that can write poetry. Uh, and I see here that he is attempting to use the power of private industry to address a very big need in this world, which is the drastic shortage of art critics. (laughs) (laughs) There is such a call for more art critics that we need to start building them with machinery. Yeah. There are all those people out there unwilling to do the creative jobs. (laughs) Well, Well, without, without somebody to interpret the craziness of the art that we see in this movie, like the, that's the hole that he thinks needs to be filled. Cause people yeah. see these crazy, I don't know, like nuclear silos with graffiti all over oh, them. the place and where the, 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 the layman live. has no idea what they're looking at. They're like, this is some kind of kaleidoscopes of colors that terrifies me. What's going on? There are, well, let's get to those characters. There is, so these three people, two of whom are part of this, this rap group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's two guys and a girl. No pizza place, though. Instead, like you're saying, they live in some kind of abandoned nuclear silo with all this graffiti in the back that reminds me of like, the backgrounds of Jeff Darrow panels in like hard boy in a hard boiled or like uh kind of or like in big guy and rusty boy robot where there'll just be like a bunch of signs and things in the background and i'm not quite well, it's sure like a four-year-old try to recreate that yeah okay. It, there's a certain naiveness to it, the artwork it's like a four-year-old said what would happen if keith herring illustrated all of jeff darrow's work i think i'm I gonna think, throw it on a wall i think two of the characters the 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 rapsters 
<laughs> sleep on a bed that like is propped up Velociraptors. By, <laughs> they sleep on a bed that's propped up with like multicolored building blocks for legs. <laughs> it's very it's like it's a very quirky criminal hideout. Mm-hmm. Because these are quirky folks. Uh yeah, there's graffiti everywhere. They've got slogans like it's a sort of, it's, you know, fuck it's, the world and stuff all over the place. It's bright and, and crazy enough that like if the Joker from the 1989 Batman movie, it was 1989 Batman yeah, yeah. movie, walked in with his gang, they'd be like, mm, this is a little too loud for us. <laughs> Dial it down, everybody. <laughs> You're calling too much attention to yourselves. And we literally walked into an art museum and just started painting all over the places. Unfortunately, if only we had a robot to tell us what to do. <laughs> to tell us if we did a good job or not. But uh, the there's this group of criminals who are the gang who couldn't shoot straight, and they... Screw up a drug delivery somehow. They see they're like in a car chase, and they just all the drugs fall over in their van, and so they're ruined. I couldn't. I wasn't quite sure what was happening there. And they piss off this Zangief-looking boss who is subtitled all the time, even though he's speaking English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, he says, you have seven days to get me twenty million, whatever the currency in South Africa is. Let's just call it. Afro bucks, uh-huh. 20 million of those, and or I'm going to kill you. And they're like, ah, what are we going to do? They decide they're going to have a big heist. But in order to have the this heist. This is all happening with a lot of shouting. And then all of a sudden robots show up. So it's kind of hard for me to follow what was going on. Oh, that's on. right. They're, the meeting is interrupted. They were followed by robot police. There's a big fight. The robot police don't really <laughs> seem to be that effective. Yeah, they don't arrest any of the principal people. No, they just manage to get beat up a lot, and one of them, number 22, gets blown all to shit. And it turns out that number 22 has had a series of problems, so they're going to crush him up into little robot cubes, maybe recycle him, turn Mm -hmm. him into a bunch of cans. Well, he's just an object, so that's okay. Exactly. He doesn't have a soul until Dev Patel kidnaps this robot, takes him home, and puts... He's his about AI program. Well, he's about to do oh, that, but then that. he gets kidnapped. He gets kidnapped. He actually gets kidnapped like 45 feet outside of the factory. Yeah, exactly. Here's one of the problems with this movie. This is the factory where all of the police robots are being built, and they have this elaborate control system that makes only the company can put software into the robots, and that has to be protected. And they you get decide- the sense that, though it's a startup, it's incredibly successful up until this point. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I think the company is not a startup, but the Scout program is a startup. Sure. It's, it's, uh, I think it's already an established munitions manufacturer. But uh, anyway, they have this big facility. They're making r- robots. The, the, <laughs> Robux? <laughs> Robux. They're making Robux hand over fist. That's money that robots use to pay other robots for things. It's like uh, Xbox bucks and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. The like $1 they- Robux has a picture of their first Prezibot. George Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, of course, there's the $5, which has Abraham Linktron. We should just be stealing Futurama jokes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, they, he decides he's going to... So here's the problem. It's this big facility. They're making police robots. There's almost no security in this place. There's no. not even security there's, cameras. There's not even that many employees. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where later, later in the movie, Hugh Jackman is authorized to use his giant ED-209 mech to blow up a bunch of people. And he's just in a room by himself sitting in his control chair and with the lights <laughs> off. There's yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's like he, he is snuck away. But the, the uh, Part of it, and like one of the things about District 9 that was interesting is it felt like this was happening in a real world, a lived-in world, and there was... It was populated by people, and this movie has so few actual people in it. Yeah. It also, uh, 
it is it's one of those movies that starts off with a fake news report that explains everything that's going on, which I guess District Nine kind of did a little bit. It exactly does. Yeah. Start, but it starts with was it starting as like a news movie or like a documentary type of thing? Uh, it feels like it's it's a documentary in in District Nine, and then Nine. they and give up, the, and then they give up on that conceit pretty quickly. Kind of, yeah. This it's like An- they literally have Anderson Cooper talking about these robots mm-hmm. and the the rapper characters call each other by their real names and they're always wearing shirts with their names and their band's logo on it. Mm-hmm. And Anderson Cooper So wait a minute. And are this, they rappers in this world or are they gangsters? That's what I'm getting at. This they're movie takes place rappers. That's uh, impossible. That doesn't exist though. A new hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> Rappers. That's who, right. Who, I grafted the leg of a gangster onto a rapper, and now he wants to keep he he wants to keep all of his samples inside inside of a violin case when he carries it around. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but uh, they it takes place in the future because Anderson Cooper says in 2016 they introduced this program. So are we? Is this a world where their rap careers fell apart and they became? <laughs> Crazy oh, criminals. that makes sense. Or is that just the next logical step of evolution from South African rapper is criminal? Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I'm saying is there's part of me that kind of likes that they that they call each other by their real names. There's and something, they wear T-shirts that you, I guess you can go and buy probably. <laughs> yeah, there's something – it's like when a little bit kind of like uh, – the it's rem- like, like the, the rem- it's literally like the wizard where you could go out and buy the power glove after they showed it off in that movie. The it, wizard. It's like the wizard if Mario was a character in the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're like is and was a real person in real life. Like it's Wait a minute. He's not a person in real life. What they're doing is along so, the, uh, I hate be- to break it to you. There's no Mario clause. <laughs> So what would he like? He would like show up and like be a plumber at one of the hotels they stayed at. <laughs> but then he'd have to or? jump. But then like a big piranha plant would come out of the pipes and he'd be like, "What did you kids eat?" <laughs> End of cameo. Then <laughs> he'd just walk away. And then he'd go back to the camera and go, "You got any trouble? Call my brother Luigi." <laughs> it's a me, Mario. And then he'd walk away. Uh, it's like it's kind of a little bit like uh, Neil Patrick Harris's appearance in the Harold and Kumar movies. Where he's playing like a crazy version of himself. Mm-hmm. Like this is them playing a crazy version of themselves, but they already seem pretty crazy. But anyway, that's I don't have any context to put it in. This could be the like the normal version of themselves. I mean, having seen some of their music videos, they're pretty weird and crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the music videos usually tell you an accurate portrayal of what the artist is like. Uh that's the promise an artist makes when they put themselves on camera, <laughs> is that this is an accurate rendition. I mean, I can only assume uh, that Motley Crue, like in the Girls, Girls, Girls video, are constantly going to strip clubs and just taking ladies home. And Peter Gabriel is a stop-motion animation. <laughs> it's weird. Just like in Sledgehammer. It is so weird that that is exactly what I was going to go to. <laughs> because it's the- Peter Gabriel, why were we both going to go to that? I mean, if I think when I think music videos, it's kind of sad that Sledgehammer is probably the first video I think of yeah, every time. Yeah, it's that one. Red Hot Chili Peppers probably live under a bridge yeah. somewhere. <laughs> I was thinking that uh, Nicki Minaj lives in the forest with her with her other big butted associates. <laughs> sure. I was trying to think about the uh, Tom Petty and Michael Jackson has cat size. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the Tom Petty "Don't Come Around Here No More" video <laughs> where he's the Mad Hatter. Yeah, and but I was like, I was like, oh yeah, and Tom Petty's made of cake, and then I was like, no, that's Alice in that. Mm, yeah, that's a good catch. Good yeah. catch. Uh, and. All and the members- it totally rains and fucks up Axl Rose's wedding day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the members of Genesis are spitting image puppets. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, like, the rain doesn't seem to fuck up Agatha Roy's wedding day so much as the death someone... of his fiance. <laughs> well, there's that. But also, I thought she died from the rain. Did she get trampled? She, much like. But also, uh, someone much just, like... like, jumps into the cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one dude is like, I've been waiting to do this all day. It's raining. I better jump into the cake. He's like, I got to get out of the rain. <laughs> this cake, the cake will protect me. Or is he oh, feeling no, like... someone left the cake out in the rain. <laughs> the only. <laughs> so, is yeah. that what MacArthur Park is that about? Is what He's about the making of the video for November. Yeah, that's right. He went back in time. <laughs> it's a time traveler. He's unstuck in time. Wow. He's trying to warn us about November rain. He's trying to warn us that there's going to be a, an eight-minute music video in the future. <laughs> Was that your problem with it, the length? That's right. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? There's two guitar solos in it. I remember when that, I remember when that was on MTV. It was like, okay... Uh, we're gonna play Jeremy, and then we're gonna play November Rain, and then so much time has passed that we're gonna play Jeremy. Again. Oh, see, I remember sure. Jeremy as being a later song than November Rain. No, they were- no, it was that those two and Under the Bridge, and for a while it was uh, what one by you two. Yeah, well, that was a little earlier. Oh, I don't but. remember that video at all. Well, there were multiple versions of it. Mm-hmm. There's the one with the buffalo. Not just one. <laughs> Ironic <laughs> movie, please. Anyway, so uh, he's Dev Patel's gonna try to bring this robot home. He fails to do it because he gets kidnapped because they to have a robot in the family. <laughs> oh, what a terrible movie that is. Uh, our listeners might not be familiar with the movie Robot in the Family starring Joe Pantoliano and uh, and what's his name from, uh, you know, Gimli. Uh, John Reese uh, John, John Davies. John Reese Davies. Uh, and... It's a the funny thing was, fe- I was trying to say Jonathan Reese Myers. That's it's a joke, I, and I fucked it up. <laughs> well, that, I was about to say that, and I knew it was wrong. So, mm-hmm. uh, Because he's TV's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Match uh, point. He's TV's <laughs> match point. Uh, that is a movie that, if you ever see it, it has the most irritating robot in film history. Match point? No, yes. That movie could have used a robot, though. Yeah, uh, f- Wait, for sure. Even more irritating than a robot and a rotor. The robot and rotor is a delight. <laughs> I love the robot and rotor. Not <laughs> okay. the not the main robot, no, the I evil police robot. About. We're talking about the I mean, the robot, robot janitor who they're like, "What? Ha- where's the rotor program?" And he's like, "Oh, gee, I don't know." Um, uh, Gosh. And, I, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. What's great about the robot in the movie Rotor is it feels <laughs> like they had a part for like a for like a dopey janitor, and a robot showed up at the audition <laughs> and won the part. It is the least robotic robot that you can imagine. He's, oh, I don't know. I'll look into it. Like, he's such an incompetent robot. Much like Chappie. Getting back to it. The gangsters aside, if they have their own... Oh, we pol- haven't even gone to Chappie yet. <laughs> well, there's the thing about this movie. It takes a long time to set things up, and then suddenly it'll just burst forward to the next plot point very quickly. So, the gangsters want their own robot, because they feel like they can use it to pull off a big heist to pay off this gangster. And they kidnap the scientist who made the robot, Dead Patel, so they can make they can give I him thought they were trying to like shut down all the robots so they could do well, their heist. It was at first they wanted they they theorized that there must be some remote control that turns off all the robots. Since TVs have remote controls and they're machines too. Mm-hmm. Once they see he has the robot though, they're like, make him work for us. He inputs the AI into it, and Chappie, as they name him, I don't remember why. Uh, has to learn how to be a living thing and learn speaking. And so he starts off skittish as a newborn doe mm-hmm. and then slowly becomes part of their family in that he literally calls the woman in the gang mommy and calls the crazy shirtless asshole who's always causing trouble daddy and calls Dev Patel his his creator. Maker. What's or weird maker. is why does he associate that guy as being his daddy? Because they, 
the even though that those two people are, I guess, a couple in real life, IRL, uh, they don't at any point show other than like they later share a on. bed at once. Yeah, at but point. at no point do they show affection. No. Really. Mm-hmm. There's occasional remorse. You wanted to see uh, hardcore fucking. I wanted to see some hardcore fucking. I wanted to see like, two people with weird, two weird haircuts. <laughs> the yep. two weirdest people in the world uh, having sex. How do we know that they're a couple if we don't see yeah. any penetration? Yep. Gaspar, Ga- Gaspar Noe. This, this was your no. big problem with Mad About You, too, wasn't it? <laughs> I just don't believe Paul Reiser and Helena as a couple because I've never seen them penetrate. They can't be mm-hmm. mad about each other because I haven't seen their faces yeah, in coitus. See a penis inserted into a vagina. <laughs> I mean, that's that the I definition of love, right? Dan, yeah. you need to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But maybe like seven psychiatrists, <laughs> each crazier than the last. What a, what a movie I name. call it Goofy Psychiatrist <laughs> Island. <laughs> also, Snow White and the Seven Psychiatrists. Now, they, so they take control. They, for some reason, the scientist puts up very little fight that they're just going to own Chappie and take care of him? Yeah, at first they have a gun on him, and then after a little while they're like, okay, I guess you can go. You can just come and go as you please. And uh, it does lead to later on he gets into a fight with the guy, and the scientist refers to him as a shitty person, which I liked as a as an insult. Like, that was fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chappie is your, in- is your basic innocent robot. He's like your E.T. short circuit. I mean, E.T.'s not a robot, but you get it, that kind of character. He's a Johnny Five all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, except that he picks up a South African accent and picks up kind of like gangster speak and yeah. wants to be cool. He never raps, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I would would have There's loved- There's a granny in the movie that raps. I mean, come on. Is, I don't think there <laughs> is. He is a robot with hip-hop attitude. He's oh, he's, a, he's got- He's a hip robot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you want to workshop that phrase a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it is that is either a very hip hobo robot or Hippity like hobot, Chappy the robot. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I mean, it's not doing a rap. It is not taking no crap. It's not an achievement to rhyme robot with hobot. Since hobot is a portmanteau, which includes part of the word robot. <laughs> It incorporates hobo and robot. Batman's villain, the penguin, with his army of penguins. Again, not a good rhyme. <laughs> Who's rapping about Batman? <laughs> uh, like every, like Seal, I don't know, every ra- Batman. He's, he's rapping now? <laughs> okay, he's technically not rapping. It's from a Rosa rap song? <laughs> I will say, the other day, I, for some reason, for some reason, I, I started singing Kiss from a Rose to Sammy, and I was like I remember a shitload of lyrics from this song <laughs> that I haven't heard since I was a kid. But there was one summer at summer camp where they, I, for some reason, that song was always playing. So because it's super romantic. <laughs> but why? It, what, well, the weird thing was the songs I associate with summer camp are that Regulators by Nate Dogg and Warren sure. G and Sweating Bullets from Megadeth. Like okay. those are the three songs <laughs> I remember hearing a lot at summer camp. But uh, anyway. Besides, that's, we're getting off track. Oh, Chappie starts picking up all these mannerisms. They want to teach him how to help him on their heist, but they kind of have to trick him into doing it by making him think it's the right thing because Chappie promised his creator he wouldn't be involved in any crimes. Meanwhile... What's a promise? Uh, he says... <laughs> Dev Patel I says... Know, you have a ring for I need it. You to, <laughs> I need you to promise something to me. And Chappie says, what is a promise? And Dev Patel goes, it's... You have to promise me that you never commit crimes. And that means 
you can't, you know, and you can never break that promise. And Chappie's like, got it. Like, that did not explain what a <laughs> promise does was. compute. Like, just use a cinnamon. Call, call it a vow. Use a cinnamon. <laughs> use a cinnamon. <laughs> just use cinnamon to get it across. Yeah. If you don't have that, use, you know, some nutmeg. It's like Chappie, or allspice. Put, yeah. try, put yeah, all the cinnamon not? in your mouth and try to hold on to it. Okay. Now I promise you we won't have to do that again. <laughs> Chappie'd uh, probably be pretty good at a cinnamon challenge since he's a robot. But he has no mouth. Yeah, he doesn't have a it mouth. He would just gum no, up his true. gears. Now, Hugh Jackman. Gumming up gears. Has been, <laughs> that could have been the name of this movie. <laughs> Hugh Jackman has been watching all this in or trying to figure it out. He's mad that all the funding's been taken from his moose project. So, what you're saying is that he sneaks up and watches Chappie paint a picture. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. He sneaks up and watches Chappie and paint he a looks car. Like, he has this look on his face like. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. A painting robot? What the fuck? It, he might as well have rubbed his eyes and gone, ee, 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 ee. Huh? dumped out his liquor bottle. <laughs> Never again. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, but the, da- the daddy in the gang is mm-hmm. Ninja, is the name of both the character and the actor, is irritated with Chappie. So he says, I'm going to toughen this Chappie guy up. He releases Chappie into the wild, into a tough part of town. Chappie is immediately set upon by a gang of toughs. And both beaten and set on fire. And Chappie is like the most innocent robot in the world. Uh, but everyone, when they see him, they think he's a police robot. So they start hitting him with crowbars and stuff. They throw a Molotov cocktail at him. It's really sad. And like, mm-hmm. it's it's the one, the few times when this movie is successful in making you care for the characters is when Chappie is in such anguish that you would have to have no emotions to not be kind of disgusted by it. Yes. Uh, and... Chappie is then set upon by Hugh Jackman. And but again, did the movie earn that, Elliot? Not at all. No. It was never, there was never a moment like in, uh, I'm trying to think of a movie where a character is really abused and you feel for them, but it, it there's a sense of either catharsis or redemption or something in it. Like, uh, Breaking the Waves. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Breaking the Waves is an example where this character, terrible things happen to this character, but you feel like there's a sense of, point and grace to it even though i don't yeah. love that movie uh but this in this one it's just like fun robot movie whatever okay now this character is gonna be crying on the ground while people throw fire at him uh, and now hugh jackman's gonna pull him into a van and cut his arm off while he whines and begs for mercy like that's yeah. not fun i don't like <clears throat> that uh it's it's one of those tone clashes that could work some if they did it if they like calibrated it differently but did not work it's, for me It here. seems a little uh, sadistic from the filmmaker. Yes, in a way that is not, like you're saying, is not earned. Uh, as opposed to, like, at the end of Wally, Wally gets the crap beaten out of him. Like, he basically, he essentially dies. And it's like, oh, no, but I wasn't like, this is really making me uncomfortable in how much they're beating on Wally. Like, if you know what it is, is I, I realized You're that, like, get him. I'm like, <laughs> get that, get that damn robot. The piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thinks he can love. Thinks he's better than Beyond me. his class. He's not better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid robot. Can you do this? I'm just peeing all over the TV. <laughs> Elliot, sit down. No. Penis away. No, no. My family's going to learn about this someday. Uh, the... Uh, it felt like uh, it was at that point that I realized the movie. It was like the movie had set me to expect a certain level of anguish, and then the movie just dropped that level down into something much more intense that I was not ready for, and it was not exciting or it was affecting in a bad <clears throat> way. But there and there's a couple moments like that. So anyway, like uh, it and it's not helped by the fact that Chappie makes his way home and they put fix his arm almost instantly. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Hugh Jackman steals the control chip from Chappie. This doesn't seem to really do anything, and I'm not sure how it what it had to do with anything else. He needed it for the moose, maybe. I don't know. That's uh, yeah, it's that it's that chip he used to deactivate oh, all right. the other scouts. That's right. I it's forgot the, like, about that. Guard key. So this is when. So now the movie has jumped forward pretty quickly to Chappie is on the run. It takes a very long time of like. Chappie's going to learn how to use weapons. He's going to learn how to walk like a gangster. Hugh Jackman's going to do I don't know what. And then suddenly Hugh Jackman goes like, all right. Uh, no, the, he, he's like, hmm, there has to be bigger crime. The police literally say to uh, to him earlier on like that crime would have to be way It'd worse. It would have to get way worse. For them to bring can... in the moose. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, mm, I guess I'll make crime worse. So he uses, that's right, he uses that chip to shut down all the scout robots. A chip that uh, Dev Patel, the maker, left in Chappie's head for... Apparently no reason other than, I mean, because he didn't need it to exist as no. a Chappie. We should mention also Chappie has a five-day battery. After five days, his battery is going to break and mm-hmm. die, so he's going to die. Which the, the, I, why, the, even, the concept of changing his battery never really comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also even, like, let's remove, like, that only makes sense as a premise for the movie. Yeah, like that only makes sense as like a ticking clock for the for the movie. Like, why would you make any robot or like, five day battery, <laughs> or like take out his hard drive and put it into another robot? Yeah. Well, and they apparently said, you can't because they, he has consciousness. Yeah, Dev Patel is like, yeah, we can't do that because consciousness. We don't know what that is. And like, well, maybe we don't know what that is in humans, but in a robot, we can just transfer all the fucking. But then also, information. spoiler alert. Both Dev Patel and Chappie get their minds switched to other robots, so it turns yeah. out Dev Patel was just wrong. Yeah. But so Hugh Jackman turns off all the robots, instant crime wave. Then we forget about that. Suddenly, Johannesburg is in chaos. We kind of forget about that because it's time to go back to Chappie. The gangster who wants his money shows up. Dev Patel shows up at the hideout of the rap group, and there's a gonna. It's a whole lot of stuffs about to go down, and then suddenly uh, Sigourney Weaver is told by Hugh Jackman. There's some chappy on the loose. He was on TV, seen helping. Fucking <laughs> chappy, public guy. enemy number chappy is out there. This is a code chappy. I repeat, <laughs> code chappy. APC. That's all points chappy. Mm-hmm. Chappy helped these guy, the gangsters with a heist. He was caught on TV helping them steal money, and he was just throwing shirts, just throwing ninja stars into into cops' legs. And this was another moment where suddenly it was like, uh, so Chappie's just like earlier. There's a scene where Chappie is has been tricked into helping them steal cars, and he's just scaring rich people and stealing their cars. But here he's literally throwing knives into people's bodies. And in both, like, at least he's throwing knives with the, under the assumption that he's putting people to sleep. Yeah, they told him this helps people sleep. Uh, but even the sequence which where he's like... Which leads, the, <laughs> yeah, which leads to the question, how dumb is this robot? <laughs> he's hella stupid. He has access to the internet at this point, right? He can just figure that shit no, out. No, he doesn't till later. Oh, okay. But the the sequence where he's like stealing cars from people, it's because it is so close to the sequence where he's like a little kid being beat up by people. It makes me feel like this little kid is being tricked into hurting people, but it's kind of played for laughs. It's supposed to be a funny scene, but yeah, it comes off as this. This is more abuse of Chappie. Yeah, he's being abused and it's not really funny. So it's yeah, it's another scene that makes you uncomfortable. They like they did a good enough. They did a good job of pushing our buttons in terms of like that's what that's make, what art's all about, Elliot. And robots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh wait, what? Push their buttons. Oh okay. And art's also about pushing buttons, Dan. And art's about robots. And by that I mean the artist who paints those sexy robots. Oh, his name is Art. 
So what? Soriyama? Art robot. Uh, I'm thinking. I think. I think. I'm thinking of a different guy. The guy from who did the penthouse pictures, where you'd be flipping through a penthouse and all of a sudden have like a weird Japanese robot having sex. Uh, no, that's not the one I'm thinking <laughs> They're of. They're gonna say all of a sudden you have a weird erection. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> mom, mom. <laughs> no, no, young Stewart. Hit it with a rolling pin. <laughs> like um, um, Ben Kenobi. <laughs> I'll help you with that, Stuart. <laughs> okay, why not? Let me get this droid and oil bath. I'll help you as I helped your father. <laughs> ben Kenobi's just an old perv who lives in a cave. Sure. Uh, that's why. That's why Anakin turned to the dark side. I mean, it's... Sad. I don't know if that's the case. Sad stuff. If anything... I mean, it's because he had the high ground, right? Yeah. So he what? cut his legs off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd go evil if some dude just chopped my legs off, Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was kind of asking for it. They were in a lightsaber fight. And there was lava all around. There's lava everywhere. Yeah. And I don't mean lava soap. I mean, like, hot lava. <laughs> lava? Oh, hot lava. Yeah. Well. Not cold lava where you can just walk So, of course, it. you're going to try and flip over a guy, and then he cuts his legs off. That shit's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just leaves him to fucking die there. Yeah, Get all of, roasted. Speaking of people getting cut in half, that happens in Chappie. So, we were all really surprised. So, back to Chappie. <laughs> Chappie's in trouble. Sigourney Weaver gives Hugh Jackman the go permission to use the moose to track Chappie down and destroy him. Because mm-hmm. he's on TV making the company look bad, stealing money, forget. For rap gangsters. Mm-hmm. And so they all show up at one place. Dev Patel, the rap gangsters, because it's their house. Chappie and the big Zangief gangster guy. Mm-hmm. And then the moose comes along. And he's killing everybody. But mainly his, the, his first casualty comes from... There's a third member of the gang named America. Mm-hmm. Who... Uh, the, he's shooting a gun at this huge mech. Of course, it's going to do no good. The mech steps on his body and blood spurting out of his mouth, and then it uses its big crab pincer hand just to cut him in half and yep. pull the top of his body off. And then throw it against a wall, which at this point, we're all cracking up. We were like, <laughs> that was the move, That was the moment where it felt like the movie hit its pitch. That yeah. one moment where a character we've seen through the whole movie has just been murdered, but it was like, Pretty funny and also pretty gruesome. If the movie had been at that level, I feel like it would have been. This well, would have been success, successful. We were all movie. like sort of surprised by it too, though, because it did. Like the movie up until that point did have that like slightly grittier short circuit feel. Like it. Like <laughs> hold on, slightly grittier short. <laughs> you mean grittier than a grittier version of short circuit? Yeah. You don't mean it had the grit of short circuit. <laughs> <laughs> it no. didn't have the kitchen yeah, sink realism. No, I <laughs> like that movie Short Circuit. It was a it, had all, it really caught the mean streets of a big city, like that like that classic film, Short Circuit <laughs> but 2. That's my point. It was a marginally grittier version of Short Circuit, and then all of a sudden it got super violent. <laughs> and like really violent. There's explosions everywhere, and there's a big fight scene. Yeah. Well, that's something that like that District 9 did kind of well is when they when they had violence happen. It was like horrible and super shocking, like a lightning bolt hitting dudes and them just exploding like bags of blood. Yeah. Uh, And even in District 9, I had an issue at the end where he goes into berserker mode and starts just like killing people. But they're bad guys. They're bad guys, but it's still... Anyway, we won't have to do District 9. But a bunch of people get killed. Uh, Short Circuit's mommy gets shot and killed. Dev Patel gets shot and he's bleeding out. Ninja, who has, has... established himself as a major league asshole, gets shot through the leg, but is fine. 
and so like the one the least likable member of the group is the one who continues and survives mm-hmm. uh chappie fights the ed-209 and blows it up uh hugh jackman i guess diplomatic immunity revoked or whatever yeah uh yeah. and chappie chappie be- beats the shit out of hugh jackman yeah, chappie and dev patel go back to the factory because chappie is going to transfer Dev Patel's mind in the before all this, Chappie has figured out how the internet works and how to transfer consciousness is using a neuro neuro helmet and a pile of PlayStation fours. So uh, he's going to transfer. <laughs> he beats the shit out of Hugh Jackman and that calling him a bad man once again in this factory where there's no security. There's no security. A robot just walks in with Dev Patel bleeding. Hugh Jackman sees them and is like, "Whoa, you guys stop!" And the robot just beats him up in front of a cube farm. Mm-hmm. I just mean cubicles. Uh, and just destroying the office. No security ever appears at any moment. Later, he takes Dev Patel to this to the place where the neuro helmet is, and now the security shows up, but, but Chappie's already locked the door. He transfers Dev Patel's mind to a robot body, and then Dev Patel transfers Chappie's mind to all the robots in the network, I guess, and set, no, turns it back on. No, it's just the nearest robot. That oh, I thought like... he sent it to all of them. Multiple Chappies. He was just searching the... Yeah. He's just searching for which one was closest. And then we find out that uh, the the kindly mother figure had already uploaded her consciousness. And the movie ends with Chappie using the uh, the factory to build like an upgraded version of the robot. And it looks like that robot Bjork from her, that one Bjork video, or like like the, the Svedka the, robot, the Svedka well, vodka robot. And but it's got it's like really creepy looking. Well, but it's also like like why does this. Hold on, no one notices that, like, in this factory, all of a sudden there's this other robot? Like, they, why, why does the one, It's like, the middle of the night, I don't know. Nobody don't know, notices like, anything in this factory. The one female a robot, robot goes missing. to be, like, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the ugly female robots. You know, like Rosie from the Jetsons. <laughs> Wait, you don't think she's pretty? Uh, not my type. She's, you know, she's a... You know, she's a she's she's lovely, stu- lovely she's woman. She's sturdy, dude. She's made entirely of cylinders. <laughs> You're right, pretty and sturdy go hand in hand. Uh, the, uh... Nobody notices anything. Nobody There's like notices nobody anything. Around to, unless a character is needed for the for a scene, they're ju- they might as well be Sims extras. Like, they're just wandering around in the background, you know? Was this, was this movie, like... Was this movie rushed to production? What's going on? Like it feels so. What's going on? (laughs) I don't know. That's that's welcome to what's going on our movie podcast. (laughs) What's going on our Marvin Gaye podcast? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on, brother? Tell me. (laughs) Just us talking about like. Well, Uh, you know, um, I've been I've been working a lot. Sort of. (laughs) Sort of trying to get this bar open. A little chilly in the it's room. That right time now. of year when oh, it's getting wow, colder. Oh wow, very specific. Yeah. It's, it's not yet cold enough wearing for a full f- coat. Wearing a fleece. <laughs> yeah. I've got running socks on because I ran out of full length socks. Oh it. man, laundry day. Am I right? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Welcome to Laundro, our laundry day podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Laundro Calarisian. <laughs> He's Billy D. Williams's character's chain of laundries. <laughs> I always thought the Ugnots probably did all the laundry on, on the oh. Ugnots. No one wants the Ugnots touching their clothes. <laughs> no, the Ugnots are gross. I think we've discussed before. They have Ug in their name. Lobot, however, I want to make him fold all my clothes because <laughs> he'll do it super fast. My delicates. like Bishop playing Mumbledy Peg and aliens. Uh, so, Bishop the robot, and not Bishop from X uh, No, and not like Bishop from the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> 
Archbishop from my chessboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't have any hands at all. You don't want him. It's just kind of like a stylized no. representation. Or side-to-side movement options. <laughs> he can only fold diagonally. Yeah. That doesn't help me with my pants. Everything's got <laughs> diagonal wrinkles now. This is, Bishop, this is not how you crease pants. I wanted a nice crease. My legs crease. look like cr- crinkle fries. <laughs> my pants look like a, like a napkin folded at a fancy <laughs> restaurant. And I hate fancy restaurants, Bishop, from my chessboard. <laughs> That's why you only why I only take you to Carl's Jr. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I should have had Rook do this. <laughs> he moves in straight lines. Oh, this is even worse than when I had Knight fold my stuff I and everything was L-shaped. <laughs> I forgot to mention, guys, that Carl's Jr. is our sponsor. Uh-oh. I, don't, I think even Carl's Jr. would admit they're not fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but they have beautiful babes eating greasy burgers yeah. in their not, commercials. It's not like all this time Carl's Ju- Carl has been under the impression that he... <laughs> And it's a fine dining establishment. <laughs> Carl is like, how come we still don't have any Michelin stars? Junior. <laughs> Junior, what have you done with my restaurant chain? <laughs> Please, Mr. Burger lives in Florida. Call me Carl Jr. <laughs> now, so Chappie, it's a whole mix of robot fighting and robot learning how to talk and being cute and South African patois and weirdos walking around successful you be the judge it makes you feel a little if it makes you feel any better elliot there is that scene where they go to a like a dog fight and we get to see a dead dog lying on the ground (laughs) we do get to see chappy poke the corpse of a dead dog and that's how we learn that things die but even that is like just like when the short circuit jumped on that uh grasshopper well one his name is johnny five but yeah exactly it's like even that was just a gritty (laughs) gritty version of that scene Mm -hmm. yeah his name's not family matters it's urkel dude (laughs) The guy's name isn't Jurassic Park. It's Dr. Alan Grant. (laughs) You wanted to call him Dr. Elliot Grant, right? Because that's what you called yourself in the mirror growing up. (laughs) I was pretending to be Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. Because that's what I wanted to do. Because that's what you had to do with that fedora. You're like, not Indiana Jones. (laughs) I want to be a doctor. I'm never going to be able to pull off Indiana Jones. The best I can do is a a paleontologist (laughs) who gets wrapped up in an adventure by accident. Uh, so let's go to final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like. Movie of the year. What do you, what do you say, Stuart? Uh, yeah, best movie I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Chappie is, uh, I can't say crappy because that's bad. Is there Mm -hmm. a crappy? Happy? Hap makes me happy, yeah. No, um, Chappie's not very good. Uh, I... Had kind of low expectations going in because of the reviews mm-hmm. and because Elysium was not very good. And it seems like Neil Blomkamp is one of those directors that is just going to keep giving us diminishing returns. Hopefully not. Maybe he'll rediscover himself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, My man, Neil Blomkamp. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> this, this movie is super weird. Like, I don't think that we really, like, got it across just how the... Tone is wrong. For it's a movie that like weird, like a David Lynch movie. It, it, you know what this feels like to me is it feels like a Terry Gilliam or what's the name of the guy who directed Snowpiercer? It feels uh, like Bong Joon Ho. Is that him? I don't yes. think it was. Was it Bong Joon Ho who did Snowpiercer? No, wait. No, I think you're being racist by crediting him. Wait, I mean, wait. I think it's more Are you sure. No, because Snowpiercer is the guy who did the Good, the Bad, and the Weird, right? Oh. And that's not Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho did the host and mother, and mm-hmm. I'm going to look it up. But it because I can't remember his name. But it feels like a movie 
one of those guys would have aced because they would have made it manic and bright, and this is gritty or like it looks ugly. Like it does it. It's it, and it doesn't. It, there's no energy to it. It doesn't move quickly. I mean, we might be jaded because we've seen. Oh, a lot was of, Bong Joon Ho? I was wrong. We've seen a lot of yeah. movies. And yeah, I am the champion. You're right. I thought it was the guy who did the good, friend. the bad, and the weird, but it wasn't. It was Bong Joon Ho who did Snowpiercer. That's just, I saw you the just thought because they both had trains in them. Yeah, I th- because I thought one train movie. The guy loves trains. <laughs> yeah, the same guy made the Great Train Robbery. Made uh, <laughs> made a uh, taking Pelham one two three. He made a uh, train leaving a station yeah. <laughs> under siege, dark territory. Oh yeah, and uh, trains. The sequel to planes. The sequel to cars. That's out already. It doesn't exist. So the thing is, no. is that if you're going to show a sequence where I think a robot is, is like- my favorite Bong Joon Ho movie by far. You like it more than the host? I didn't love the host. I liked Memories of Murder a lot. Memories of Murder is great. Yeah, I think Snowpiercer is tied with Memories of Murder. The host I thought was okay. I was disappointed by it. It like wasn't the movie I wanted it to be. It was another one. There, that's where your expectations build up too much. A little bit. Okay, but also it's one where the the tones clashed a little bit for me. Rather than being a riotous clash of tones, it was an (laughs) awkward clash of tones. Clash of the tonins. So part of part of the movie is that it. Because Dan, it, I apologize for calling you racist. If you're gonna, if Thank you're gonna have a movie where you I'm have racist. like a like a because like it was Kim Ji Woon who directed the good, the bad, and the weird. Mm. If you're gonna have a baby robot who's like kind of innocent and learning how to do things, uh, we've seen a lot of movies, man. I've already seen that like a zillion times over. Yeah, you're gonna have to be good at doing it. Well, but what, what I was gonna say is like, in a way, the fact that the tones are all wrong in this movie, like the fact that. Everything that's happening is just like twelve degrees off of being successful. Uh, is kind of what makes me enjoy the movie. I feel like this is mostly a bad, bad movie, but it's getting really close to a movie I kind of enjoyed because it's it's just wrong in a way that's appealing. You like you look at it with bafflement, but not in like a way that you're laughing at it in a way that just like. Wow, this is like weird in a way that I really wish I could enjoy it. And sometimes you do, as when someone gets cut by a big that was great on a robot. It if, it had, were, if it had been ninety minutes of that, I definitely felt like there were scenes where I was like, I thought I would enjoy this more if you and, described it to and me. And Hugh Jackman's performance is at least super fun. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman is is really good in this because he's like. He goes all out with it. Dev Patel is kind of, and he goes all out in like being unappealing. Like he goes all out. Yes. And like, he's like, he's totally willing to like drain himself of all of his natural charisma, which he has a ton of. He's not even trying to be a charismatic villain. He's being a totally uncharismatic villain. And I liked him more because of that. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver is kind of wasted. She doesn't, really leave her yeah. office for the entire movie. Well, it feels Which like makes me everything think that maybe is, they just had like two days to shoot with her. It feels like everything is super shorthand and because and like Hugh Jackman actually brought something to the to the shoot whereas everybody else didn't bring anything. I would imagine, you know, Charlotte Copley with probably giving kind of boring direction did a pretty good job I'd imagine in his like stop motion suit. Mhm. No, I mean the effects are really good. The robot acting is good. Dan, what do you think? Did you that like was a the real, effects? They hired a robot to play that the part. The effects right? were not bad. That wasn't a human in mecha face. Yeah. That was a real robot. <laughs> There's so many robot actors who are out of work while humans take those parts. Like? Powers Booth. 
in the C-3PO costume. Yep. Yeah, as the power droid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to imagine if I was Bruce in the, in the ADR booth, just gonk, gonk. Mm-hmm. No, powers, it still sounds a little too much like, uh, like your normal character. Can you make it more a gonk droid? Gonk. <laughs> it's too menacing. It's too menacing, sir. You sound too much like an evil gambler. <laughs> Dave and Graham, and we host Stop Podcasting Yourself. We started this podcast back in 2008, before podcasts had to have any kind of concept, so we don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like going to the barber shop if your barber knew all about the first season of the show Elf. It's like a 90-minute massage where the masseuse is two people talking to each other with a third person. It's like the Monsters of Metal tour, only quieter, no music, and just talking. It's like a makeout session, but without the lips touching, they just talk a lot. Download Stop Podcasting Yourself from iTunes or MaximumFun.org. Briefly, before (laughs) we move on to letters, uh, I want to say I found... I found the note from uh, the gentleman who sent Evolver. that Evolver, yeah, the video game. Evolve, yeah, thanks. Or Evolve. Oh, yeah, Evolver is a movie about a robot that goes crazy and starts shooting people. <laughs> and so I want to thank him by name. Thank you, Brock, last name withheld. Oh, thanks, Brock. I've been playing a bunch. It's super fun. Um, but uh, And sorry that I didn't have that at the time. But uh, hopefully better late than never. Nope. <laughs> never would have been better. Um, so what do we do now, Dan? What what part of the podcast is this? Uh, this is the part of the podcast where we where we hurry up and do some letters. <laughs> some letters from listeners. Listeners sent us <gasps> letters. Now we're gonna read them as Stuart goes to get another beer. Killing time right now as Stuart gets that beer. So gather round here and listen and hear to what I'm saying as Stuart goes in. He's opening up that beer. And now the song is done. Um, Seamless. So- that was, was not a pleasant drinking noise. So this uh, first, like, that's the sound I would expect if you were drinking some kind of alien beer that comes in a living gelatinous sack, and you have to bite the skin and then suck the blood out, and the blood is beer. It's that's delicious, sound. Morty. <laughs> that's, that's my my Rick impression from Rick and Morty. Uh, so this first letter of the night is from Mitra, last name withheld. Dear Flophouse. Hey there. I wouldn't presume to friend any of you on Facebook, but Dan, could I friend your brother John? <laughs> Here are my connections to the Flophouse, and by extension, John. Number one, my mother's best friend's daughter wrote a book that's being turned into a miniseries starring Anne Hathaway. Number two, I share one friend with John McCoy, someone I don't know and who has 3,927 3, friends, but still... Wow, that's really popular. Yeah. N- number three. It must be like Ronald McDonald or Shaquille O'Neal or somebody. <laughs> it's Garfield. <laughs> he hates Mondays, but he loves friends. <laughs> number three, I share one friend with Elliot. Shout out to Bob Sikoriak. Oh, okay. Bob Sikoriak's great. Number four, I went to high school with John Hodgman. Okay, admittedly, I have no memory of him, but I'm friends with friends of his. My friend Phaedra says she remembers John because he carried his books to school in a briefcase. That sounds like John Hodgman. <laughs> Number five. If I had a ding-dong, I would tear it off. Number six. Think about that before you make any promises. Number six. 
how can a clam cram in a clean cream can? I just I just wanted to hear Dan say that. How long were you fucking practicing that, Dan? I can talk right if I want to. So you just didn't want to all this yeah, time? I'm just lazy. Please, I need more interesting friends. I can only look at so many baby photos, though if John and his wife have a baby, then never mind. I'm good. Best, Mitra. Well, you know, they don't. They've got uh, grown-up children at this point. Uh, Their children say, are older than they are. Look, look, man, I can't control who John friends. That's up to him. I mean, I say go go for it. You know what you got to lose? You can't fear rejection in this world. <laughs> Just put that friend request right out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta live your life a quarter mile at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what? If if you were gonna die tomorrow, <laughs> would you want to have regretted never asking John McCoy to be your friend on Facebook? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Yeah, so I hope that we've given you the confidence you need to live your life uh, free from fear. Yeah, that's one of the four freedoms. Mm-hmm. No oh, fear, t-shirts, bad boys club, etc. <laughs> I like, yeah, FDR if you was can't running. run with the big dogs, when, stay on the porch. When, when, life's a beach. <laughs> uh, when FDR gave his four freedom speech, he was wearing a no fear t-shirt. <laughs> uh, this is from, this next one's from. We have nothing to fear. This is his inauguration, not no, the four freedom speech. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Check out my shirt. <laughs> That's what I want from everybody. No, oh, I wore my Mossimo shirt today. Oh, damn it. Well, let me get my No Fear shirt. Hold on. Uh, this next one is from Wyatt, not Sinek. Last name with hell. So Wyatt, Wyatt Earp. <laughs> there's the only other one. The only other one is Wyatt from Weird Science, and he's a fictional character. So it has to be Wyatt Earp, the man who made Tombstone live again. He's got the stare. Uh, my friend took me to a birthday party for a stranger the other day. And when I met the birthday <laughs> is boy. Is this a sex story? When I met the birthday boy, I said <laughs> to the like it. <laughs> I said to the crowd that he looked like Stuart Wellington. This comment was met with silence and funny looks. What's the big idea, Stuart? I trusted you, and you made me look like a fool. So yeah, I'm really sorry that people didn't know who I am or what I look like. <laughs> I've been trying to spread the word <laughs> and the face. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we should Stuart Stuart spreading face well with him. <laughs> yeah. Face spreader. We've had the, we've had all those Shepherd Fairy posters of Stuart's face plastered all they over. They just say "dude" underneath. <laughs> yeah, but they don't seem to be catching on. Now you're just yet. trying to get somebody to make a Photoshop up a little thing. They've got to now. Yeah, it's got to be done. Maybe Shepherd Fairy well. <laughs> That's right. We know you're listening, Shepherd. What if he was a fairy shepherd? Yeah. And there was a flock of little pixies, and he just kept them, you know, safe. You missed when we watched Strange Magic. I think there was a character like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ask Jordan Morris. I don't remember. I was too drunk. <laughs> um, this letter is from Leanne, last name with L. Rhymes. Mm-hmm. Dear my darling peaches, it's recently been brought to my attention that other podcasts have towns and nations, while your fan base is confined to a single house in fact i'm not even sure if we're allowed into the flop house nope or if it's strictly <laughs> <laughs> you can look in through the windows or if it's a strictly original peach residence it's like a tent city that lives outside yeah it's like burning man my, my question is this what does the flop house actually look like is it a decrepit boarding home as the pun suggests or stately manor do you have to pass through a mirror world to enter where's the evidence dungeon located 
Are only boys well, allowed? Well, probably below ground. <laughs> uh, More in the belfry. Are only boys allowed? Paint me a word picture. Love, Leanne, last name withheld. Well, thank you for making a lot of references to things we've said in the past, mm-hmm. Leanne. Uh, Dan, since you are the president of House Cat Productions. Incorporated. You probably have the best idea of what uh, the flop house looks like. Mm. Well, it's a gingerbread house. <laughs> I already regret that you gave him first lead on this story. I'm going to take this ball back and pass it to Elliot. <laughs> bounce pass. No, no. What else has happened in this gingerbread house <laughs> that we apparently go to oh, all the you time? Bounce pass back to Dan. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I'm curious. To, no, I want to give him a chance to redeem himself. That's sure. how we lure listeners in. Let's see, they, like, a little they, bit. they come over and they want to stick the gumdrops in their ear holes. <laughs> I'm going to take that ball back. You know what? I'm going to call a timeout. <laughs> Ref, can I call a timeout? I'm just gonna take this ball back. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's not what I imagine. Okay. What do you got? It looks like the White House, but it's like five times bigger. Okay. Every room is made of TVs. But so it's made for giants, or it's just got five times many rooms. Both. <laughs> Whoa. Five times as many rooms, and the rooms are five times as big. It we need to travel around on little go karts because it's so go-gurts? big. Go little go karts. Wait, we we use a slip and slide lubricated up with go gurt, and that's how we slide from room to room. And we have a pet chimp. Oh man, there's our water bills are so high for washing all that <laughs> gross shit off. <laughs> Um, okay, well, that's nice. Uh, I'm sure Dan's room is lovingly appointed with fancy stuff and things. Oh, yeah. Elliot's room is basically... <laughs> oh, it doesn't El- get... All of my favorites. <laughs> I, I was leaving it ambiguous you, so you, you could flesh it out. You really bro. know Dan well. His love of both stuff <laughs> and things. If I'm not, Only years spent spending time with him have been... If I'm not coveting fancy stuff, I'm looking at fancy things. <laughs> Uh, Elliot's room is, of course, the library. Yes, of course. You got your your floor to ceiling bookshelves, scrolling ladders, mm-hmm. cobwebs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's a haunted library, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. And I I hide behind a beanbag chair and jump out and say "boo" if someone <laughs> wanders in. And Stuart, your room is uh, well, it's a pizzeria, it's, and it's got it's one converted. of those slushy machines from the r- it's roller. Converted rig. from the garage. <laughs> <laughs> there's a straw there's some straw matting in the corner for me to sleep in. And a bucket. We don't need to know what the bucket's for. Straw, multi-purpose. Straw matting. <laughs> okay, is that bit done, Dan? Yeah. That, <laughs> that bit done gone. Uh so the last letter of the evening is a bit of a special letter. It comes to us on uh actual Physical uh, paper. Who sent this to us? A mummy? Handwritten. Papyrus? Uh, (laughs) Let me just read on. It goes, Gentlemen of the flop, I wonder if I might share with you my amazing, perhaps unique, Flophouse story. Lately, having happened across your podcast, I've been listening to it obsessively, to use a shop-worn term. Since I work in the film industry, I've been a good example of what Henri Bergson is that how you say it? Yeah, Henri Bergson. Uh, described as in his book Laughter as a momentary anesthesia of the heart, which is to say I conveniently neglected the possibility that as I enjoyed the failures of others, the uh, ball, bell might one day toll for me. But to paraphrase Nietzsche, if you stare long into the flop ha- long enough into the flop house, the flop house will stare into you. 
especially yeah. your. I thought butt. that was a direct quotation of Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> Nietzsche was talking about a much earlier podcast. Came the day when, scrolling further back along the Flophouse feed, I arrived at my own film, The Twilight Saga, colon, New Moon. Wait a minute. I was our mo- That was our most popular episode for a long for a, time. Yeah, for a very long time. Uh, I was put in mind of, again, paraphrasing the famous lines of Martin Neilmoller. First they came from The Purge, and I did not speak out, <laughs> for I had not directed The Purge. <laughs> then they came from Grace of Monaco, and I did not speak out, for I had not directed Grace of Monaco. Then they came from for Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. <laughs> and I did not speak out, for I had not directed Temptation's Confession of a Marriage Counselor. Then they came from me. And there the analogy collapses. Well, you can imagine my chagrin, but in truth, I can raise few objections to the episode. I kind of agree with most of the charges leveled. Does one set out to make a bad, bad film? Of course not. One has a new mortgage. One receives an offer. One decides it would be a good idea, and besides, one thinks, one feels one can deliver what a fan of the Twilight Saga might want. One calls oneself one. <laughs> you will probably not recall that all of your critique. All, sorry, you will probably not recall all of your critiques. But again, I agree with most of them. Yes, the Golden Compass was a missed opportunity. Don't get me started. I feel I feel bad now about the things I said about the Golden Compass. Yes, Elliot, I too wonder where my Oscar is. <laughs> <laughs> Though self regard makes me point out that I was in fact nominated in two thousand three. <laughs> not as you say that that actually matters for much. What do I draw from all this? I would say that matters for a lot. That this rather amazing hour of comeuppance for my schadenfreude aside, I still... You're not, you're not feeling so proud about saying that clam stuff correctly, are you, Dan? I mean, he's doing big a, words. I got, I'll give Dan credit. He's this reading fucking written. Like, handwritten. That's true. As we mentioned, on mummy paper. <laughs> he's reading straight from the hieroglyphics. Uh, this rather amusing hour of comeuppance for my schadenfreude aside, I still enjoy your podcast. And it puts me in the mood to make good films. So that's good. I enclose in closing a copy of my post-New Moon film, A Better Life, which I rather like. Uh, Darian Bichar gives a lovely performance in it. In the meanwhile, I wish all three of you the very best and look forward to hearing your voices momentarily. Yours, Chris Last Name Withheld, director of New Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so thank you to... uh, Chris White's, who's uh, the definition of a class act. That is very, I feel really bad now, but I also feel good that he likes the podcast. Thanks for listening and for not being, not for not liking us. And I would like to rec- uh, to remind him that I was the one who said that I liked American Pie and About a Boy. Wow, you really threw us under the bus quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have nothing prepared here. Uh, about a Boy is a, f- a fine movie. I've actually never seen American Pie, so I cannot. You've it. never seen American fucking pie, I dude? I never got around to it. That was the original title. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the important scenes, by which I mean the ones where Shan Elizabeth is topless. All right, well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was like, surely as a as a guy who was young when... Growing, up, growing young. up as we all have in the era of the introduction of the internet and uh-huh. home video technology, it became no longer necessary to sit through an entire film to see the moments of nudity, which you knew were encased therein. Yeah. I can only imagine some strange alternate universe where the internet predated just one of the guys, and I no longer had to sit through the entire show on HBO to see that one glorious moment where she takes her top off at the end. 
then you would be losing all the great comedy bits. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I and all the like forty-year-old teenagers playing teenagers. <laughs> I have such a weird nostalgia for having to force myself to sit through terrible <laughs> movies in the hopes that there might be a naked lady in it. What are you saying? I mean, you is felt that like the payoff is better when you when you tease yeah. tease something like that out. There you're, a, you're edging as a viewer. There was a. <laughs> There was there was a time when you had to you had to really pay attention to the plot and try to figure out which one of Shannon Tweed's patients was trying to kill her in between the sex therapy scenes where she just watched people have sex through a double sided mirror, of course, mm-hmm. to a mirror. Thank you very much for writing, sir. We we uh, and the DVD and the DVD. I'm looking yeah. forward to watching that. Uh, it's Darian Darian Bashir is in it. That's uh, is that I like that dude. Yeah, what was he in? According to uh, Peter Travers in, of Rolling Stone, he gives one of the year's best performances. He's in uh, he's in the remake, the um, uh, English language remake of The Bridge. Oh, okay, I haven't seen that yet. And he's very good in that. Uh, but that yeah. was a very nice letter. No, this is a delight. Our, we, this is the first time that a director of one of the films, yeah, that we have talked we about, has reached lucked out. To out. Us. It's a good thing that like Michael Bay didn't write us; he'd be real mad. Yeah, I mean, well, and uh, or uh, or or what's his name from? Uh, Faithful Findings. Neil Breen. <laughs> Neil Breen. Oh, he's not going to write us. Like I'm he's just going to show. He's going to fucking jump out of the computer like, <laughs> like, like a, Samara from The Ring. Like a virtuosity. <laughs> but, but also, I don't think you're misremembering virtuosity. I would like to say, as someone who works in another corner of the industry, it's not like I don't know the feeling of writing a thing and then seeing it broadcast and be like. That's not exactly what I wanted it to be. You heard it, heard it here first. Dan McCoy, ashamed of the Daily Show. Wow. Uh, no, but I no, but that's true. I think not, you're doing a great job, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> the uh, you getting enough sleep? No, I'm not. Oh, are you getting enough knee exercises? Probably. How's the knee? <laughs> it's all right. Okay. We haven't heard about the knee in a while because it's doing fine, and I also have worse things going on in my life. There you go. Yeah. You get any new shoes lately? Uh, Maybe give yourself a treat. Thanks. <laughs> you know, you get your new shoes on and suddenly everything's all right, whatever that stupid mm-hmm. song says. Whoa, hot takes <laughs> from Elliot tonight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mm, I think hot uh, take. any any of us any of us involved in creative work of any kind have has had stuff fail to meet our hopes and expectations. So I don't uh, do anything creative. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I'm just a garbage person who serves people booze <laughs> and complains person. about stuff on the internet. <laughs> uh, so, so what like, do we I do? Think I saw that's one of my favorite. Wait, one like of my Rock? Fa- yeah, you're a garbage person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the character Rock, played by Charles S. Dutton, <laughs> formerly accused of and served time for manslaughter. He did his time. He did his time, okay? He did his time he, on the set of Alien 3. He paid, <laughs> he paid his debt to society. <laughs> What's he up to now? What is what is it about? I think he passed away. Uh, what is it about terrifying things that draw us in a little Dan, bit closer? Charles S. Dutton still alive? Not alive? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, use your computer phone. So just pause the podcast. Okay, <laughs> look drag it up. to the garbage. Take, <laughs> drag, drag the podcast to the garbage. Now uh, go into the help. <laughs> <laughs> what color is? No, we're not asking that Klingon question. blood. <laughs> So, uh, Dan, while you're looking that up, should I introduce the next the next segment? So what's sure. the next thing we do, Elliot? So we've talked about the movie. Okay. We gave our final judgments. 
Mm-hmm. We read the letters yep. and we were amazed. Mm-hmm. Now at this it's point, time. At this point, I think it's time. Fortunately, Charles S. Dutton is, uh, according to IMDb, still alive. Okay, oh, good. God. Who am I thinking of then who passed I away? I don't know. Dan, name everybody who died. Uh, and Danny Houston? No. Uh, Ernest Borgnine. No. Um, Ernest Orgnine. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know we what? We ended Orgnines. I think I'm thinking of uh, Looney Tunes background artist Maurice Noble. Okay. Um, this is the time in the podcast where we say, hey, we just recently had a contest and we have a winner for that contest. Right, yeah, Dan? It's, it's uh, Tom Horstman. Tom Horstman. Jack Horstman. As I, the, I have contacted him via email. As but. the last minute initiator of this contest, I totally sprung it on you dudes. Mm-hmm. And we kind of sprung it on you, the listeners, and gave you very little time to turn in uh, artwork for this. I got to say, I was blown away by the quality of, of stuff that people turned in. There were some yeah. fantastic entries. If you haven't had a chance to check this out or you're just tuning in, go over to the Flophouse website and check out the, go to the blog section, I think, and look at the <coughs> uh, the contest entries. Because there's some really great uh, choking victim posters. Yeah. Um, and I would have been proud to put any of these things up in my, in my bar. I got to say... I now I need to open like fucking 12 more bars to fucking put all these posters up. I want to say to uh, Tony Oker was a very close runner up and he's done some great animations for us in the past just just as a fan. And so I uh, I, t- I I also contacted him. I, I, I got nervous when I saw Tony's go up because his went up super fast. Yeah. And I was like, everyone's going to be totally scarified because his looks so great. And I. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I added a second prize. So Tom Horseman's going to get the T-shirt plus the getting, picking, grand prize. Picking a, a movie for us to uh, to watch. Do not and pick nothing but trouble. Tony Oker is going to. No, not allowed to pick nothing but trouble. I think uh, I, I said that's the that. one movie no get one a is t-shirt. allowed to pick. So what kind of T-shirt? Like a nice a gap, like an old navy tee. Uh, I mean, they're. They're on American Apparel tees. The thing is, Elliot, it's going to be a t-shirt. It's going to be a t-shirt that confirms that you should have no fear. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I need from a t-shirt to deal with my fear. That's great. An exciting contest. We'll have another contest someday soon. Dan, uh, normally I'd say we should promote our live show on January 15th, but there's no reason to since we sold out already. It's sold out in five days, which is insanity. Thank you to everyone who bought tickets, and apologies to everyone who uh, missed out this time around. We will do I more guess we'll do another show sometime so we got, soon. we got to do another one. There's a, there's demand, so it's the market has to supply it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll make another uh, Elliot, go- Dan, and Stewart. Thanks for going to like the first, uh, the first class in an economics course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I took. I got bored, and I left. Um, I was like, I could draw superheroes somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can pretty much draw superheroes anywhere. Mm-hmm. The quad. <laughs> yeah. In the Barnes and Noble and yeah, the, the aisle. At the NYU all, quad. All over the mangoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean mangoes? All having your first Again, you experience. can't eat mangoes <laughs> at a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> uh, so, we, so the contest winner was announced. Uh, we promoted a show that sold out already. Sorry, everybody. Uh, but, and so now I think we recommend very quickly a yeah. movie that we watched that we actually enjoyed. That is what we do now. I'm going to go first. I'm going to recommend a movie that I assumed I'd already recommended, and then I checked the Flophouse Recommends page, which you should totally check out. Just Google that shit. Uh, Flophouse Recommends, uh, lovingly maintained by, oh my God, I want to say Ian Whitney. Is that correct? 
Um, well, I'll double check. Uh, Dan will edit this out if I fuck that up. Um, so yeah, Dan's would do a lot of editing these days. <laughs> I'm as our re- ninety-minute episode show. I'm going to recommend an amazing movie called Dead or Alive, directed by Takeshi Miike. It is a crime. I'm uh, surprised you haven't recommended. I know it's a it's a crime thriller. If I've already recommended, if not, people should just watch it anyway. It's great. Um, it's a crime thriller set in Japan. It is very characteristic of a Takeshi Miike movie because it moves super fast at times and super slow at other times. The movie actually even begins with like a punk rock count off. Uh, it's super gross. There is a scene where a woman gets drowned in a, uh, inflatable pool full of poop. (laughs) Um, and it has the craziest ending I've ever seen. So if at any point you're like, I'm kind of bored, this movie's boring, just stick it out, dude. Watch the whole fucking thing. That's my recommendation, Dead or Alive. But don't take my word for it. Check out Dead or Alive at your local <laughs> library. Yeah. And while you're at it, watch Dead or Alive too, because it's super great too. Uh, I was really sitting here racking my brain while Stuart was talking, because I did not walk into this podcast knowing what I was going to recommend. And... I haven't had the time to watch a lot of movies lately. You've been busy. Through that. But um, I remember that there was a movie that I watched um, on my computer <laughs> while in transit. <laughs> I don't uh, Always traveling. What, what, kind of, what kind of transit was yeah, it? Yeah, was this uh, air, Airborne? It was, on a, it was on a train. <laughs> Were you watching the movie Airborne? Some, some kind of sky train? <laughs> yeah, it was on a train. I don't think I recommended this. Uh, I think I said something to Stuart about it. I don't think if I, it stopped making sense, I'm going to rip my face <laughs> off. <laughs> well, luckily, you're flying somewhere on Friday, so you'll have a movie for next episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I watched the... Documentary Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead. I didn't recommend that. Did oh, I? I don't think so. About the no, lampoon. About the National Lampoon, um, and it's a very entertaining documentary. It's done in sort of a kaleidoscopic um, uh, kid stays in the picture style, uh, and uh, you know, it's uh, the thing is the thing about the lampoon is like I don't necessarily like have a lot of affection for it. And, uh, like, a lot of the comedy hasn't worn well for me. A lot of it is kind of, has, like, a mean overtone, and it uh, and it seemed to be, like, wanting to shock to shock. But you cannot deny the influence that it has had on comedy culture. I feel like it opened a lot of doors to a new style of comedy that has been uh, in, in its sort of derivative forms uh, great and influential. And um, and it's a uh, it's a fast movie. It's about ninety minutes long. It's very interesting. <laughs> what? Tell us, does the DVD come with interactive menu screens? <laughs> well, I got it. Stre- I got it streaming from iTunes, so I don't know. But it- screaming out iTunes. <laughs> Torn from the iTunes. <laughs> Untimely ripped from his mother's iTunes. If you're an old man like me, a uh, movie that's fast uh, is a fucking blessing. No, no, blessing. yeah, you got less time to live. You got to make the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> who, has, who can watch Reds these days? You'll be dying any I moment can't. soon. It's a good movie. Uh, too bad. So uh, that's what I recommend. If you're interested in comedy at all, uh, I think you'll find something interesting in Drunk Stoned Brilliant Dead. Uh, I'm going to recommend, a couple episodes ago, I recommended a movie by uh, the Japanese director Mikio Naruse, 
uh, which was kind of a women's melodrama film called Ginza Cosmetics. I watched another one of those since then that I liked called Wife. Uh, that is kind of it's a which is a much more of a downer movie in some ways about people in a marriage that they have kind of stopped trying to make work until a crisis comes along and they don't know how to deal with it. Uh, but I thought it was really good and I liked it a lot. It's called Wife, and I'm also going to recommend, in case you don't have the time to watch a whole movie, for whatever reason, Turner Classic Movies around Halloween showed a bunch of David Lynch's old shorts, and I got to catch up on ones I'd been meaning to watch for a long time and hadn't, and there's a very short movie he had done for a uh, like Lumiere Brothers uh, uh, anniversary project called Premonition Following an Evil Deed, which is less than a minute long, and but is still one of the, like, most chilling things I've seen in a while. It's a really scary one minute. So I would, or 55 seconds, so I'd recommend that. I think it's on YouTube. Premonition following an evil deed. Three great, wait, four great recommendations. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what do we do in the podcast, Dan? Now we blessedly uh, sign off and... Turn the key and lock the house up so nobody fucks it up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do with houses. Yeah. I mean, are we leaving the Put house? Put the key on a chain around our yeah. neck. <laughs> get on a plane and fly somewhere else. Now we lock the door, take the key, melt it down, turn it into a little figurine. Okay. Like a Hummel? Exactly. Wait, that's now, like. So the- we got to remelt the key back into a key shape every mm-hmm. week. Extra security. Yeah. Like in the movie The Patriot, where they melt down the little toy soldiers into, into bullets. bullets. Yeah, exactly. Or like the movie. That's the greatest movie in the world. <laughs> According to my dad, it is because the costumes are very realistic. Okay. My dad judges movies based on how historically accurate the costumes are in his mind and mm-hmm. how accurately it shows how battles were done in the past. Mm-hmm. My dad is exactly the same way. <laughs> Any movie where people. Two Towers isn't as good because the siege warfare isn't super accurate. <laughs> Any movie where two armies just stand and shoot at each other and don't move around very much, my dad mm-hmm. loves. Yeah. Zulu Dawn is the best movie in the world, according to my dad. Hmm, interesting. Uh, well, this has been Dad Talk, I guess. <laughs> hey, we gave our Dad Talks. <laughs> it's the annual Dad Talk conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, tune in next week when uh, Elliot and Stuart's dads will be hosting What's the, the best show. kind of lunch, Elliot? <laughs> my dad's got a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> hey, what ta- what's, ro- what's wrong with this generation? <laughs> what town are you from? Because my dad's probably been there, and we'll tell you what restaurant he's eaten in. <laughs> And what he thought of it. Did he buy anything in a store in that town? You'll find out. Uh, but until, that's just a teaser. Until then, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm still Stuart Wellington. Every time I check, I'm Elliot Kalen, no matter how hard I hope it changes. Good night, everyone. Peace. <laughs> Podcast we do. Yeah, come on, man. Who cares? Hey, eat a dick. <laughs> Wait, <Pirate>. what? <laughs> uh, uh, how are you gonna? How are you doing on this uh, plot summary? Do uh, you know some of the reasons why things are happening? Yeah, because a lot in of things don't world. make. In, <laughs> in a world where what's things a, happen, what's Syria? <laughs> oh, Dad, what was Vietnam? Remember that? Wait, was that a commercial? There was like a PSA when I was a kid. It was like, what was Vietnam? Yeah. I was like, oh, dear children. 
<laughs> and he's like, but dad, I, I don't have children. Talk to your children about Vietnam, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I think there were a lot of there were a lot of questions about Vietnam back then. Well, they were telling teaching you just say no to Vietnams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids, if you ever find that you're sending more and more military advisors to Southeast Asia, that was the... to protect French colonial interests. Mm-hmm. Just say no. That was the thing. It was a PSA for Henry it's Kissinger specifically. The... <laughs> it was paid for by people to get Henry Kissinger to talk to his kids. <laughs> I don't understand why why'd you do these things. I learned it from watching you, Dad. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, I'm Brian Safi. And I'm Erin Gibson. And we host the Throwing Shade podcast. On Throwing Shade, we look at an issue important to ladies and an issue important to gay people, and then we basically make fun of it. Yeah, and just to answer your question, no, we don't have a marriage pact that if we don't get married by the time we're 30, we're going to do that to each other. No, that's true, although we have each been divorced three times. 